I am ready. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. <laughs> what year is it? It's, it's uh, who knows anymore. <laughs> Hi, Todd. I have never been more, I don't know how to use this mic anymore, anything. I have never been more happy to sit through all 20 minutes of our opening intro theme song as now to hear it in beautiful stereophonic headphones live right off the board because guess where I am, Mark? You're not on a Zoom meeting with I me. I am not on a Zoom meeting with you. We are in the same room together. Um, you're vaccinated. My husband's vaccinated. Oh, is he? He is. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And um, and I'm not. But- <laughs> But the sole veteran the of sole the group who gave years and years of service to his country. But, you know, I'm I'm young and I don't take care of children. And so uh, that's right. That's fine. Uh, but did you hear about that priest and the rabbit that oh. walked into a blood clinic? No. Uh, the priest said uh, that he's type A and the rabbit said he's a type O. <laughs> See, now, if a priest and rabbi walked into a bar... I still want to just a thunderous live round of applause is what I, yes. You know what I didn't bring? I didn't bring my little adapter so that I could plug in my little stream deck soundboard again. The stream deck is around here somewhere. That's okay. We'll we'll forego it this time. I'm I'm already over. Do you have it in person or do I still have that? You still have it somewhere. So I'm sure we'll dig it out at some, because the big reason I'm here is because you are, uh, in the midst of another big life change. We are moving. Uh, we are moving from this house to uh, uh, another house on the other side of Portland. And uh, in the midst of a pandemic with um, so with all of the eviction moratorium stuff, there is there are no home rental properties available in Portland. It, it is a scramble for the dregs of stuff and so we happen to have a friend who has a place that she is renting uh that isn't on the open market uh she just re- leases to her friends you use your white privilege to I, sneak your way to the front I, of the I, line I did. <laughs> and um it, yeah and so it's uh it's a we spent six weeks out on the market trying to find the right place and we found places that would work for us and uh fortunately we've got a good friend who is also a landlord of some properties and she let us know that she had one uh just perfect for us just at literally the same day that we need it 
And so we are moving. And so all of my schlock uh, <laughs> is being put into boxes. And I have a lot of schlock. Um, it kind of looks like the back room of the the coolest antique thrift store that you've ever seen. It's like the stuff they haven't quite sorted yet. There's stuff that they just wanted to have out because it was fun to look at it. There's boxes and there's I, yeah, piles. I have so much stuff. And um, and so we're, we're doing three different paths forward. It's things that are moving with us, things that we are giving to friends. And then we've got a the rest of things that we're giving away for whatever people want to pay for, whether that's free or yeah. more than that. Uh, so we've got a table with a Venmo thing that we're that I'm super interested the, to see how that works yeah. out. Cause that's a fun idea. We'll see. Yeah. <sighs> so, I sound like, yeah. listen to how, how great I sound. Well, you, the ironic thing is, is that finally a couple weeks ago, back when, uh, back when we last saw, we've, this is the second time in a one month that we've seen each other because in after person, yeah. in person, because we, and we haven't talked about that either yet. Our, our metal metal detecting experience that was awesome. Um, which I just distract myself on. I don't remember what I was going to say now, so I guess it wasn't all that important. Um, oh, but you did uh, give me one of our nicer mics uh, to use at home for recording, which I haven't set up yet, and then we haven't recorded in a while. So it is the first time in a year that I've heard myself not sound like garbage, <laughs> which is very nice. And we don't have. We to didn't clap. have to clap. I know. Oh. Uh, Editing yeah, will be a breeze. Sync. Not trying to sync up three yeah. different uh, audio files from three different <laughs> sources. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So what, what's going on in general or in, general, in the news? In general. Well, I wanted to quick check my, cause I have been, we haven't recorded in a while because we did go, we used, uh, the first, this first Sunday of the month, I think is when we went metal detecting the second of the, the second Sunday of the month was the ice storm kerfuffle. And then, um, I forget you guys were out of town or something like that. We're out of town. But I was so mad because the weekend of the ice storm, I was house sitting at a place that had one of it was it's it is the most amazing thing I've ever like the only time I've been envious is is of this because she was showing me around the house and it was dark when I first got there and we kind of go walk into the backyard to see where you know where to let the dog out and I kind of see in the in the dark corner or whatever that it looks like a hot tub but really, really long. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, oh, well, our last, our last the pet sitter wasn't ever interested in it, but this is our, you know, jacuzzi lap pool. And I was like, <gasps> and then I got there. I was able to sit in the hot tub portion of it a little bit on the Friday night that I got there. I was going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And it's, yeah, it's just a very long, think of a jacuzzi that's three jacuzzis long. And then you can turn on this like super powerful jet that you can swim against. Um, so I got to use it for a little bit. I turned, I didn't, it had one of those covers that you can roll off. Yeah. Um, and so when I was on there Friday night, I think I sent you guys a video of me going into the cool cave that I had created. And then I turned, um, I turned the, the propeller or whatever it was on to like 36%. And I mean, I'm a very good swimmer. I've been a swimmer my whole life. I'm really good at it. I'm used to all different conditions from the oceans to river, like all this stuff. And that was a swift current <laughs> at just 36%. Wow. So I was like, oh, I can't wait to use this. And then the power went out for four days, which ended up being eight days at my house. Oh my 
So hopefully she will use me again at some point for uh, for house sitting because yeah, that was uh, an infinite lap pool discovery. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. One thing, and I don't, I didn't warn you about this that I wanted to do, but remember at one point this past year <laughs> when we were talking, <laughs> you um, brought up the "What does Google know about me?" Yes. What was that again, and why? Do you remember? <laughs> um, because uh, the reason I bring it up is because like yours was a very detailed list of all those oh, breakouts, right? And mine had nothing. Yeah. So this was a uh, a a marketing profiler investigative tool that you uh, that Google provides i believe yeah. it's on the google website and it shows you basically what it thinks about you in terms of how it markets to you so it knows what age range i'm in what you know and i'm in the web marketing world and so my name is out there exposed my email gets tons of spam like i i'm i'm an open book on right. the internet and so it knew it had like 45 points of knowledge about me yeah. and and it they seem to be pretty accurate yeah uh and then yours was like empty yeah mine had because you were like oh go check out this site and i opened it up and it was like mail 35 to 55 and i was like okay well you know where do i put in where to find my info but that's all it had yeah and that i don't i mean i know you you checked a checkbox one once upon a time that actually worked i think (laughs) and i did not well the other thing i realized is that my facebook account is set up so i used to have uh toddworkoven.com for a long time and then i let that lapse and because that I'm the only Todd Workoven on earth. I never have to like hoard it if I don't need it. And right, right. now I'm not using it for anything. <clears throat> but when I set up my Facebook account up like tw- 12, 15 years ago or whenever that was, it was under Todd Worko- Todd at toddworkoven.com. Right. And which doesn't exist anymore. But so all of my information, I think, must be gathered under maybe that email or something like that. Because like... I mean, I don't use a lot of stuff on the internet that needs my information, but you'd think there would be more than that. Yeah, it, especially you. Like, yeah, you're you're not exactly zero presence on, presence the, internet. on the internet, right? Either, so, so I, yeah, that was super interesting. So I'm gonna dig further into that. But I was, I was for once happy to see that my hard work of <laughs> not using Amazon and Google as much as I as I would like to has paid off. Um, but we do have, is there any other general chit chat? I don't think so. That you want to do. We do have an update to a story we've been closely following here at the Mark and Toddcast. If you remember, there has been a big mystery under how wombat poop is squared because so far nothing in the kind of known natural universe will develop square like that that is uh, coming from a biological entity because it's all sphincters and stuff and pressure and it always turns out rounded and stuff like that right and so they've never been able to figure out how wombats do it and the reason they really want to is like if there's a natural if there's a more natural way to make bricks or like all of these things that we use square things of so that mystery has finally been solved so um 
Little was known about the mechanism used to craft such a unique product that they're calling the cubic poop. Researchers working with the University of Tanzania have unlocked the wombat's secret and solidified evidence suggesting they use poop to mark territory. So the bare-nosed wombats are renowned for produ- producing distinctive cube-shaped poos, this article says. I'm getting used to, reused to how... Uh, sensitive this microphone is i'm used to shouting at my guitar hero mic um the final section of the wombat's digestive system houses a unique array of two firm and two pliant tissue segments and those can contract allowing the wombats to shape their feces into sharp edges and corners that are like less likely to roll wombats uh, also digest their food four times longer than humans making it very dry but they produce 80 to 100 cubes every night. Jeez. <laughs> Grief. Uh, which the team thinks that they use as signals. So beyond the novelty of understanding why, Carver hopes his research can lead to innovations in how humans can use soft tubes in an entirely new way of manufacturing other cubes. So they think that the wombats are talking and communicating and they don't can't have their poop roll away from where it was placed. And so they just developed a way to make it... Make it flat on a couple edges, and it seems like a very specific genetic anomaly for a very specific need. Yeah, yeah. it is because yeah, no other that huh. we've really seen. Because when you think of goats, I mean, you think of everything. Right, that, everything that poops. Like we're not producing cubes <laughs> just because it's that would be like trying to produce a cube, like a cube of toothpaste, right, out of the toothpaste tube, which would be rather difficult. Poop a brick. Poop a brick. Um, so one of the things, uh, some of this news is not going to be um, the most topical since we haven't recorded in like a month. So this is kind of a, a grab bag of some of the more uh, interesting things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. And one of those is that the founder of Hustler magazine, Larry Flint, was found dead at 78, which is much younger than I thought he was going to be <laughs> when he died. Um, for 50 years, Flint is one of the biggest names in adult inter- entertainment industry. He launched Hustler in 1974, which brought him fame and fortune as it skyrocketed in popularity. Um, he's also known for a lot of his lawsuits um, and being shot in 1978 in a murder attempt by, ser- I didn't know he's a serial killer, Joseph Paul Franklin. Mm, I didn't know. Uh, the shooting left Larry paralyzed from the waist down and confined to a wheelchair, and he was in constant pain and other, other mes- uh, medical issues. Um, he was dabbed in politics and controversy. So um, the reason I pulled this is not because I'm a huge fan of the product that Larry Flint has produced over his lifetime, uh, which was purposely a much crasser uh, version of something like Playboy, which always pretended to be like the sophisticated nudie magazine. Hustler was decidedly kind of the opposite of that. And he would court controversy constantly uh, most famously with jerry falwell senior there was a whole thing with him and his mom and like this the whole this whole thing that like is gross but i've always appreciated people that test the limits of free speech whether or not i like what they're doing and larry flint is a reason so much of our speech is still protected. Uh, most famously, they uh, made the People versus Larry Flint uh, with Woody Harrelson and Courtney Love, which is a, maybe I'll watch that again because that was a really, really, really good, good movie, movie about a lot of these court cases of trying to um, ban and, and make illegal a lot of things that um, we don't like but also fall under free speech. So, 
he was a champion of that in the very least, even if I was not super comfortable a lot with how he did it. But <laughs> right. I always appreciate people that do test those limits so that the rest of us can um, be secure in our freedoms. Yeah, basically isn't the whole concept of free use for parody is yeah. because of Larry Flint yeah. is, is he was saying things about Jerry Falwell that were clear parody because nobody who knows anything about Jerry Falwell would believe the things I, that and Larry I believe Flint was, the most was, specific one. And I, I didn't look this up. So I'm kind of sure. going on memory, but was it kind of looked, I think at the time there was a whiskey ad campaign that was like mostly some <clears throat> stupid long story about some fancy, whatever whiskey drinker growing up or whatever. I believe it was a parody of that about how Jerry Falwell lost his virginity like in an outhouse or something like that i was just totally yeah i mean like mad magazine levels <clears throat> of parody of type. farcical uh and 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 so the the court case came down to like well it's parody because anybody in their right mind would clearly not believe these attributes being attested to this person right and uh because of that we have a whole new genre, if you will, of uh, a free speech that's based on parody. Yeah. And uh, it's because of Larry Flint. Yeah. So <clears throat> thanks to him, we have Weird Al. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you want to take this next? <laughs> Six <story>? raging bears. <laughs> been, and not the good kind. Been there. The, the wild animal kind. <laughs> turn on their rescuers moments after being released into the wild in Iraq. I had no idea that there were Iraqi bears. And there was a picture of, <laughs> of this, Iraqi bears. And it was like in the snow. Huh. Moments after the cages were open, the panicked bears charged toward the crowd. Terrified spe spectators were pictured running to escape the beasts as the release ceremony descended into chaos. <laughs> I love things that descend into chaos. <laughs> it is not clear yet if anyone was injured. The bears eventually wandered off into the snow, snowy landscape near Duhuk in Kurdish-controlled northern Iraq, close to the border with Turkey. The American Kurdish Association released the bears as part of a scheme to save the near-extinct species from vanishing in its natural habitat. I like how they call it a scheme. <laughs> like like the Scooby gang was going to shut them down. But yeah, there's a couple great pictures that oh I did involve gosh. in this of like them releasing the bear and the bear immediately turning to the crowd and like standing up on its back legs and like raging at the crowd as they run away. I'll, I'll try to find that as a, as a image for this week's... So. One of the things that I've been so irritated this whole last year and putting putting this and then Portland at the movies out is um, the way that three different. So for Portland at the movies, we use um, WordPress for um, Mark and Toddcast. We're on Podbean and then we post those onto Facebook and each one of those has a different way of cropping an image. Oh. So no matter what I do, like last week for Portland at the movies, I made the main image and then I put like eight feet of white space around it and just took a screen capture of that. And it's still like cut out half of the words and like all oh, no. stuff. And I'm like, I have never, like I have never in the last year been able to make 
a thumbnail that just shows up on Facebook as the whole thing or like not <laughs> squeezed out in the wrong aspect ratio or ugh, it's so irritating. We need different image standards. We do. That's what I'm going to protest against. Perfect. Um, so this has been an interesting story that is kind of still unfolding. Uh, News Corp, uh, who is Rupert Murdoch's company, and Google agreed to p- a global partnership on news. So News Corp announced that it agreed to a historic multi-year partnership with Google to provide trusted journalism from its news site around the world in return for significant payments by Google. Um, and I cut out of here, but I mean, Rupert Murdoch and News Corp owns the Washington Times, Fox, like they own half if not Half more the of the media, uh, including the sun and, uh, uh, papers in Australia because he's an Australian. So the landmark three-year agreement also includes the development of a subscription platform, the sharing of ad revenue via Google's ad technology services, the cultivation of audio journalism and meaningful investments into innovative video journalism by YouTube. Oh, that, that'll end well. Um, This deal will, quote, have a positive impact on journalism around the globe, and we have firmly established that there should be a premium for premium journalism. So I think what this is, because Google's getting in trouble a lot because people will Google, like, what is the capital of whatever? And it'll pull up a snippet of the site that that is found on, giving you the answer so you don't click through the site, all of that. It also is doing that with news stories where uh, just on the front page of Google, it will just show that so that nobody, once again, is getting revenue for any of this news and i i was reading somebody else's interesting perspective of news dissemination in this country and when you look at things like the um a lot of um i go to a news aggregate so lots of times it'll be oh this is behind a paywall and all that stuff and usually that's the better journalism is stuck behind a paywall right so those are the things less likely to be disseminated down into instagram or facebook or twitter or because most people will not be able to view them so we just take something from the daily mail or from wherever i get all our <laughs> wherever i get all our news stories from for this the show weekly world news <laughs> totally so that's just kind of another way that bad journalism is and i think this is sort of an attempt to help fix that that if the ad revenue from google starts paying for but then google is running our journal and so like that is also problematic and i don't know how i don't know how to fix journalism yeah it it I'm with you. Like I have zero ideas on how to do it because it, because, because it's a profit machine, it's meant to be skewed towards bias. Right. You know, and the, the more emotional someone is about what they're reading, the more ad revenue you get. And so that leads journalism. That leads people, that leads journalism to tell people that, uh, Dr. Seuss is canceled. <laughs> exactly. As as it is. Oh, my uh, well, one of the other th- exciting things that happened while uh, we were off yes. is the Mars Perseverance rover, uh, and it just took its first test drive. Uh, transversing some 21 feet of terrain in a short trip that scientists say represents a major milestone. So the rover ventured out from its landing site on Thursday, exactly two weeks after it first touched down on the Red Planet, which was super fun to watch and to learn about. And 
Uh, the drive, which was over 21 feet, lasted 33 minutes, served as an important test for the rover's mobility system. It moved forward 13 feet, turned 150 degrees to the left, and then backed up eight feet into its new temporary parking space and captured photos of its touchdown site and the wheels uh, the wheel tracks left behind it. Eventually, the Perseverance will be making regular commutes of about 656 feet or more as it searches the Jezero Crater for signs of ancient life. Um, they're also still evaluating stuff and testing stuff and um, calibrating stuff as it's sitting there. So um, this week, the sci uh, scientists memorialized the spot where Perseverance touched down by unofficially naming it after the legendary science fiction writer Octavia Butler, who died in 2006. Uh, their mission, uh, what? Oh, the mission has already been down some 7,000 images <clears throat> thanks to an advanced suite of cameras. Um, and we're going to get more and more videos and pictures from them so so the curiosity rover the one that was is already been there since 2012 so almost 10 years mm -hmm. how far has curiosity traveled it's a shockingly short distance i want to say something like 80 feet no 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 it's 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 miles oh okay uh and so it's miles it's four, 14 miles okay. uh and so the thousand feet <laughs> yes uh yeah so over almost you know through the the last nine years it's uh, it's traveled 14 miles. Wow. And so uh, they landed Perseverance specifically inside a crater that they believe used to be filled with water. Uh, and so if any life, any microorganisms were to develop, it would be uh, there. It would be there. And so that's kind of the, the goal is to search for remnants of uh, wow. life and carbon-based life. Wow, man. That could happen. Yeah. Oh, that's trippy. Uh, why don't you take this sad, sad next story? Oh, yes. Fry's Electronics suddenly, <laughs> I saw that headline, suddenly went out of business, you know, over two oh, decades. Uh, Fry's Electronically closed all of its stores overnight, ending a nearly four-decade run in business. The company, which had 31 stores across nine U.S. states, said in a statement on its website that it made the difficult decision to shut down its operations and close its business permanently because of changing consumer shopping habits and the ongoing COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. Based in San Jose, California, the privately held company was a family business. It was founded in 1985 by three Fry brothers, <laughs> <laughs> with the goal of being a Silicon Valley retail electronics store to provide a one-stop shopping environment for the high-tech professional. Other details about its sudden disappearance were scarce. Many of its retail locations had wacky themes. For example, its Burbank location was inspired by a 1950s sci-fi movie and had a UFO de uh, decoration uh, decoration crash through the exterior of its store. It's fun. Uh, I've been to that store uh, it's Phoenix, Arizona location had an ancient Aztec That's the temple, one I went to. And it's Houston, Texas store was inspired by the state's oil history. <laughs> Who knew? Its theme was raping the land. <laughs> raping the land and just <laughs> destroying the environment. The retailer didn't innovate its online operations as rapidly, <laughs> as rapidly compared to its larger rivals, 
Best Buy, for example, recently reported its best quarter in 25 years as homebound customers snapped up laptops, home theater systems, and kitchen appliances. So back 20 years ago in, in the early 2000s uh, and late, ni- late 90s and early 2000s, that place was Mecca. I had that so that it must have popped up um, after I grew up because like I I certainly would have wanted to go there more than anything in my life growing up. And so the first time I went to one was when I was visiting a friend in Phoenix and we went to that Aztec one and I was like and it was like the late 90s, early 2000s, like DVDs were just coming out with their box sets and all the extras and like all the hi fi and like. It was so cool. And then there was the one in Wilsonville, which wasn't themed. But after living next to that one for the last five years, it just is sad. Yeah, it's been really sad. So, you know, back in the day, anything computer, any accessory, any software, any uh, little electronic. And they had a, a huge uh, discrete electronic section so you could go and get your resistor and your zener diode and and everything and and uh, solder it up they had a big section of appliances and video games and and anything that was electronic or gizmo ish yeah uh, and so you know we would make it's about a 40 minute trip down there from from here and when we lived in Vancouver uh, Washington we would go down there at least once a month yeah. Uh, and and it was the destination. It was so awesome. it, the the reason it's been so difficult for people to like really, I mean, this one is suddenly went out of business or whatever, is because Fry's is a privately held company and so has never released any of their financials. Uh-huh. And so there's a really good if um, if you know the the YouTube channel Company Man, which I know a lot of people watch, which is great, who just does little ten to fifteen minute histories of companies and like what happened to them and his last one was about fries and he's like i've never done one about fries because like i can't look into their financials over the years or whatever and so he had some conjecture which i think mostly is true and it was interesting because what is something that fries has always been known for besides like oh they have everything is that they have terrible customer service (laughs) and the reason that is it wasn't purposeful, but when it started in Silicon Valley, selling all these things to like the smartest people in the world, whoever they were going to hire at Fry's was going to be way dumber than the person coming in knowing exactly what type of resistor he needed. Right. And so it was like irrelevant to have like someone smart and trained because like Steve Jobs is going to come in and be like, who, who are you? Right. And so that was never a need for them. And the other thing is that because it always was a 40 minute drive, they are always located on some crazy outskirts of something because it was cheaper there. And they knew that crowd had no other choice than to make a monthly Mecca trip to fries. And so they didn't have to be closer. And so between that and then obviously they did not pivot onto the internet well at all. Um, And so all of those things combined is that there is no longer oh and then they had this weird basically the last couple of years the reasons why i mean when's the last time that you went into fries i mean years years okay yeah because i went in there i mean maybe two months ago quick looking for something that i knew they had that they no longer carried at all oh it's like a little lapel they had like super cheap little lapel clip microphones that i wanted an extra one of and like they didn't have that anymore either and it was like well what 
they had nothing anymore. And it was because at some point in the last couple of years, they went almost into a consignment type of hmm. thing where companies would use their shelf space and get paid if they sell. And like Apple's like, well, no, like what? <laughs> right. And so like no company wants to do that because that's ridiculous for a business that's already going out of business. And so that's why their inventory just got lower and lower and lower and lower. And mm. I would say 90% of the things on their shelves were restocks because you have to put oh, a little sticker right. on them or whatever. So but yeah, check out that company man video on YouTube. Uh, and it's really interesting. And, and his, his theories about what happened make uh, total sense. So, <laughs> and this is the follow-up. Yes. Read that. Why don't you read that last, uh, sentence there from our, our fry story? Oh yeah. So, uh, according to the fry story, the retailer didn't innovate, but, uh, Best Buy, for example, recently reported its best quarter in 25 years as homebound customers snapped up laptops, home theater systems, and kitchen it appliances also in the news best buy lays off 5000 workers and plans to close more stores best buy has been a pandem tem pandemic winner the retailer saw a surge in sales and items from laptops to kitchen appliances as more americans worked and cooked at home during its last quarter and in january 30th sales at stores open for at least one year increased 12.6% compared with the year prior. Best Buy expects demand to slow this year, however. The company also said that Thursday, said Thursday that it closed 20 of its big box stores in each of the past two years and expects, expects to close a higher number this year. Best Buy has 450 store leases coming up for renewal in the next three years. And there may, there will be higher thresholds on renewing leases as we evaluate the role each store plays. The company has around 1,000 stores in the United States. Best Buy also plans to use more of its, uh, more of its in-store space to fulfill home delivery orders. The retailer is piloting new store layouts that reduce the size of the sales floor and expand the space dedicated to shipping orders. Yeah, so they've been super interesting to watch what Best Buy has been doing, and that is basically being a showroom for yeah. things that you people are probably going to buy on the internet anyway, but want to come in and use, and then they have deals with companies to basically use them as displays for their products. They have a lot of those places in China where you, uh, like clothing retail, you don't walk home with the stuff so you go into the showroom you try on the things you scan all the stuff uh you make the transaction and then there's a warehouse on the skirt of town okay. that delivers it to your home and it's usually there by the time you get home wow right oh that's trippy yeah and so that makes total sense though so that way <laughs> the prime real realty area of your your retail space for your store can be super small because you're not holding any inventory. Yeah. You're just you know uh, just trying things on. Wow. And then uh, and so that place can be really small and you can have a, a big warehouse on the skirt of town. Interesting. Uh, at a lower price. Wow. Well, moving closer to home, there is some good news because Portland has lost its anarchist jurisdiction designation, which. I guess I didn't really realize that that was a real thing a real and thing. not just like a 
we Sleepy were, Joe or, you know, one of the, his clever little quips or whatever. No, we were anarchist. So, yeah, the city had held on to the unusual designation since September after former President Donald Trump announced a plan to limit funding to cities where the administration felt local governments were not cracking down intensely enough on criminal activity. So states' rights and uh, small government fans, be aware, that was where the administration feels local governments were not doing the things that they wanted the right way. And you can limit their funding. So to start the administration named three cities, all dominated by Democrats, Portland, Seattle, and New York. In an executive order on Wednesday, President Biden, President Biden revoked a host of actions taken by the former administration, including the memo in which they uh, didn't, uh, announced it as a anarchist jurisdiction. Uh, as many Portlanders expressed remorse on social media that the city was losing its edgy sounding label. Uh, at first, when I read that sentence, I was like, Portlanders express remorse. <laughs> like they're not sorry for anything, but just losing its edgy sounding label. Um, the public officials feel, were feeling a wave of relief while many legal scholars doubted the president had it, the full powers to pull the fund. So it sounds like they maybe weren't actually pulled. The threat loomed large at a time when the pandemic was blowing big holes in local budgets. So the administration reported being considering cutting the 1.8 million in grant funding to COVID centers, of course. Um, but it sounds like that did not happen. So good news for, or bad, bad news for the anarchists. Their their plans of city domination have been crushed. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, between cephalopods and corvids, the like crow, crow and raven type birds, I am fascinated and want to do a show on, but a show on them, but am have too much respect for the subject, much like Tesla or like those things where it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that because I'm a moron and I don't like this stuff is too important. There's too much to know. So cephalopods intrigue me. And now one has passed a test, a cognitive test designed for human children. And so this is about my favorite, probably my favorite animal, the cuttlefish had uh, had been put a new version of what they call the marshmallow test or the Stanford marshmallow experiment, which is when a child is placed in a room with a marshmallow, they're told if they can manage not to eat the marshmallow for 15 minutes, they'll get a second mar ma marshmallow and then uh, allowed to eat both. So that's a test in delayed gratification and demonstrates a cognitive ability such as future planning and was originally conducted to study how human cognition develops, specifically at what age is a smart a human smart enough to delay gratification if it means a better outcome. And because it's so simple, it can be adjusted for animals. Uh, obviously, you can't tell an animal that they're getting a better reward if they wait, but if you can train them to understand that better food is coming if they don't eat the food in front of them straight away. So some primates can delay gratification along with dogs, albeit inconsistently, and corvids, of course, have passed the marshmallow test. Last year, cuttlefish also passed that a version of that. So scientists showed the common cuttlefish can remain refrain from eating a meal of crab meat in the morning once they have learnt learned you don't see that one very uh, often very often uh so cuttlefish can refrain from eating a meal of crab in the morning if they had learnt dinter 
dinner will be something <laughs> they like much better. Shrimp. There we go. Yes, if they're promised shrimp for dinner, they won't have crab meat for lunch. However, in this case, it's difficult to determine whether this change in foraging behavior in response to prey availability was also being government. I don't know what that means. Wow, that was a confusing sentence. Um, blah, 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 blah. They designed another test for six cuttlefish. The cuttlefish were placed in a special tank with two enclosed chambers that had transparent doors so that the animals could see inside. In the chamber were snacks, left uh, less preference piece of raw king prawn on one and a much more enticing live grass shrimp in the other. The doors also had symbols on them that the cuttlefish had been trained to recognize. A circle meant the door would open straight away. A triangle meant the door would open after a time interval between 10 and 130 seconds. And then a square used only in the controlled condition meant the door stayed closed indefinitely. So in the test condition, I'm going to have to draw myself a diagram here. The prawn was placed behind the open door, while the live shrimp was only accessible after a delay. If the after a delay, if the cuttlefish went for the prawn, the shrimp was immediately removed. So, um, blah 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 blah. They decided their weight for the preferred food. Um, so, cuttlefish in the present study were able to wait for it uh, for up to fifty to one hundred and thirty seconds, which is comparable to what we see in large-brained vertebrae such as chimpanzees, crows, and parrots. So all the, what's amazing to me is not that animals can be this smart because we see that kind of behavior, like even in dogs, which we've been around for millions of years now, we're sort of realizing more and more the, the cognitive capacity and emotional, you know, emotional side and brains and and thinking of, of these animals that are around us, which like I get elephants are smart. They're gigantic. They have gigantic brains cuttlefish and squid are literally bags of water (laughs) seriously like they don't have any other they don't have anything there's nothing and despite the name it's really hard to cuddle not cuddly (laughs) not cuddly at all (laughs) would zero out of five would not covered in covered in ink would not cuddle again (laughs) did you watch uh speaking of pandemic uh documentary did you watch my teacher my octopus teacher no oh so good so the basic story is like this guy who lives in australia gets uh gets a little depressed and takes a year off and and decide and starts to snorkel on this reef every day and befriends an octopus. And so he goes out there with a camera uh, every day for however long uh, of the lifespan of this octopus that he finds and like learns its behavior and develops a relationship with it. And like it it shows all of this stuff, how smart these animals are and how crazy it is because they're not social animals. So they're not learning this from the group or whatever. They're just each born with all of these. Oh, hi, Nick. Oh, Nick. I'm so happy to see you again. (laughs) Real life in person, you and the pug. The dog just opened the door and walked in. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to turn you around, but I don't want to break your legs off. Just lift her up. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Bye. Bye, Pug. Bye, Nick. Oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> it's those times you realize how blessed you are. 
Um, but no, so yeah, if you haven't seen My Octopus Teacher, My Teacher of the Octopus, I forget which one it is. I believe it's on Netflix. My Octopus Teacher yeah. is a 2020 Netflix original documentary. Yeah. yeah that's So please, please do watch it. Um, so yeah, The Cuttlefish. <sighs> Mark, bring us home with this. This fantastic. This fantastic story of your, your old home, hometown. My, my old, old stomping grounds. Six arrested for altering the Hollywood <laughs> sign to read Holly Boob. This was way uncool, police say. <laughs> the police wrongly say. <laughs> so on Monday, Captain Steve Lurie of Los Angeles Police Department wrote on Twitter that a midday, that midday a group of quote attempt a group quote attempted to vandalize the Hollywood <laughs> sign. And I'm pretty sure they did uh, <laughs> announcing that Hollywood patrol officers arrested six people in connection with the stunt. The group temporarily changed the iconic display to read Hollyboob by altering the W and the D. Uh, Los Angeles landmarks are precious to those of us at LAPD Hollywood, and this was way uncool. Not to mention the terrain is quite steep and dangerous, wrote Lurie. On social media, YouTube Jack Tenney, known as Savage on Instagram, appeared to take credit for the prank, sharing photos of himself posing with the Hollywood Hollyboob sign in the background, as well as footage of himself putting put in handcuffs after officers responded to the scene. Yeah, so. Oh, uh, the Hollywood land sign. Uh, so um, uh, I grew up in L.A., uh, in the L.A. area, as you did. And um, that was always kind of in the background. Yeah. When we lived there about 10 years ago, we um, <clears throat> we were living in Hollywood. And that was a frequent place for us to just go on a walk. Uh, it's a very easy hike if you will it's literally on a paved road uh and so it's it's not you you do can't you go up from the back side or from the front side from the front side so you uh you go up and there's a there's a parking lot and a couple really nice viewing spots that are oh. kind of below it and then you get on the road and at one point uh the road does traverse to the back side the burbank side of the hollywood hill yeah that that's on and then when you get up to the top there's a fenced area where the radio towers yeah, are yeah 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 and uh you are up and behind the hollywood sign See, and i never i didn't know there was a parking lot on that side the only time so i drug my friend eric dehan in high school we just one summer like let's go to hollywood for the day which to me meant I'm taking you to Hollywood so we can go find Madonna's house, <laughs> yes. which was under the Hollywood sign. And <laughs> yes, so we were trying to find it and we finally found our house. And it's funny because on the Apple TV, uh, one of their 4K screen savers or whatever has like this beautiful slow motion over the Hollywood sign. And you can see, I'm like, there's Madonna's old house because it's like the biggest one right yep. next to the sign or whatever. And so to recognize some of those houses and then like you'll see some of the YouTube influencer video houses, like you can recognize totally. all those. And so, but yeah, I did not know that there was um, a way to kind of view it from the front side. We just kind of would drive up and down the streets and didn't really know where we were going. Yeah, there's a good dog park that's right down by there uh, that has good viewing uh, and then, uh, and so there's kind of two little zones to view it from. And, um, but you know, it's a, a nice, 
gets gets your heart racing. Yeah. Uh, not a not a crazy hard hike. Uh, no climbing or anything like yeah. that. But uh, you know, it's a steep road, uh, an old service road for the antennas that are up there. Yeah. Uh, so I don't recommend uh, vandalizing the sign, but for some reason, Holly Boob is Holly Boob. hilarious. It's amazing. So I think it was in the late 70s that they defaced it to make Hollyweed. Oh, well, uh, that was in, as well as recent as 2017. It read Hollyweed. Uh, so I think they've done that several. Yeah, that's when it was. Because <laughs> um, that one's an easy one to turn the O into an E. You yeah. can do that super fast. And those uh, Hollyweed happened again in 2017 when weed uh was being oh, legalized okay funny uh, but it was done again in the 70s I oh believe. funny yeah. yeah that yeah it used Classic. to read read hollywood land hollywood land so well that Yay. is all i want to check my list one last time i have so many questions what makes transformers blow up Swimming pool app. Oh, talk about um, what you got Nick for his birthday. The pool? Yeah. Yeah. So in my book club, we've got our friend Chelsea, and Chelsea introduced us to Swimply. And Swimply is an app that is basically Airbnb for only pools and hot tubs. Which and I told my the people I was house sitting for with their lap pool. I'm like, you guys are sitting on a gold mine. Absolutely. And so, um, there is a house in the area that is uh, listed on here that they heat their pool to 90 degrees, and then they have a hot tub at 104, and you can rent it by the hour, and you can have up to five guests for the base rate. But you can have a total of 15 people uh, and they charge above five. It's like $10 more a person or something like that for per hour. And so um, for Nick's birthday, uh, it was just the two of us. And we so I rented it and didn't tell him anything about it. I packed our stuff in the trunk so he didn't know where we were going or why or, or anything. And Nick is part uh, uh, fish. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna so say, yes. like, Nick was born for the water. He he loves the water, especially hot water. Yeah, and as do I. Uh, yeah, and and so, um, so I told him we were going to a private residence to pick up his gift, uh, which totally threw him off, and he had no idea what we were getting. And he's like, "Can we get?" It? Will it fit in the trunk? And I'm like, no, it won't. And uh, you know, and, and just, just throw in everything. And uh, and so we we stayed there for two hours. Uh, had a fireplace there, and everything it was it was absolutely perfect. And so um, this this shared distributed economy, the the crowdsourced economy or whatever they're calling it, yeah. uh, is is pretty incredible. And so this. It's just a place down in West Lynn in the fancy neighborhood up by the uh, Oregon Golf Course. Oh, funny kind of area. Yeah, uh, off Stafford Road. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's right up yeah. where Colin lives. Yeah, <laughs> good to know. Fancy. <laughs> uh, yeah, in in that area, and uh, it was great. Nice, it was really fantastic. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to get you to tell one more quick story, and okay. that is the story of our first annual old man metal detecting. <laughs> we did so. So we both have magnets that yes. are on a rope 
You, yes, and uh, we, which you got me <laughs> a couple of birthdays ago. Yep, yep. And for this birthday, got you a metal detector, and I have an old metal detector from where I used to work. And uh, so we we I took the one of the magnets and. We took both metal detectors to the little beach up by Columbia River, and we looked for metal things, <laughs> and we found a handful of metal things. So, uh, technically, yeah. mostly by the magnet, ultimately, yeah. But uh, the magnet picked up tons of nails and needles <laughs> and crazy things that will stab the you beach. in the foot in in the public beach, and then uh, the metal detector. I found several. Uh, slags of aluminum that were basically old cans that had been thrown into a bonfire yeah. and melted down into a chunk of aluminum. Yeah, I did and, find one nail with my metal detector, yeah. so I know it works. It does does indeed work. But and we, I think, yeah, we didn't and, get rich uh, this, this trip. Right, and, and the, the most amazing part of the whole thing was I think how... So I'm going to back up a little bit. And so hanging out with, with Brian, the Unipiper, uh, has, has stretched me a bit as far as like, I'm not a huge, I need attention in real life person. Like on a podcast. Yes. If I'm going to play yet, yeah, like in those controlled areas, I right. like attention, but in like in real life, I don't want people to notice me really right. in any way. Right. So, and Brian stretches that in me as he is a person who wants that in his everyday life. So I I've appreciated getting better at that. What I appreciate about you, Mark, is that I go the opposite direction and I don't want any humans in my life at all. Not well that and <laughs> what to wear out in public is so, not something that you're super concerned with. Not at all. And I mean, I don't either. I dress to be kind of invisible one yeah. way or the other. I don't want to necessarily look really great or really bad. I just want to sort of go Go along my way. You lean into the I don't care if I look like an insane person because like what you were wearing were Crocs, I yes. believe, with socks. Socks, absolutely. Sweatpants? Yep. Uh, and probably this oh, sweatshirt. It was either your Four Seasons Total Landscaping shirt or your Blockbuster hoodie. <laughs> yep. I can't remember which one. Did you have a hat? Like it was uh, more. Probably. Yeah. Probably had a knit cap. Yeah. It was cold. <laughs> I'm all about functionality. And then so like, and then to strap metal detectors and a rope <laughs> so tied around your waist. With I a, had a, a rope on my waist. Which is like 20 feet dragging long. Dragging a magnet behind me. But you couldn't see what the magnet was because it was buried in the sand and leaving a, tr a snail trail behind you so we can find our way back. I was a sight. And so, but I did feel because, like, I did feel a little uh, self-conscious just by myself with the metal detector. So I was glad to have a beacon of something else that was getting that attention of somebody who didn't care at all who what would, anybody thought of would me. have been an insane homeless person if yeah. not for the metal detectors. So, but yeah, that was super fun. I'm excited. I'm on a family trip this summer. Uh, we're going to go to at, on some beach or whatever. So I'm excited to bring the metal detector with, with me there and do it. But yeah, that was, that was super fun. And we did find an alarming amount of giant nails just on a public beach. So yep. Wear those sandals, folks. Indeed. <sighs> cool. This, this works. So nice. I'm gonna this, touch touch the touch. nice microphone again. <laughs> 
Awesome. This was great. Yes. So I imagine we'll be distanced for a while again after this, but it yep. was great to to see you and do this in person. Uh, and mostly because I won't have to edit this down <laughs> and do anything to it. I won't have to play with those levels Not trying to all. make my end sound as nice as you are with your with your professional end. And I'm trying to do that all through EQs on in GarageBand. So yep. excellent. Excellent. Cool. Well, do something to end this and yeah. we will see everyone listen, listen to us on fun employment radio and uh and we'll see you next time yes yes thank you guys bye